I'm Tinotenda Charles Rutanira, and this is the podcast on the shoulders of giants, where we get to chat with incredibly inspiring people who have broken the status quo or faced down adversity or taken the road less traveled and positively impacted the lives of other people. We get to hear their story and gain knowledge and insights into how their lives, professional and personal, mix every day to create lessons and insights for others to follow. Because the only way to really grow is by building on previous discoveries, and only then can we truly see further by standing on the shoulders of giants. I remember the day I arrived in the United States for the first time like it was yesterday. I had on me only $150 in cash and a few prized possessions. I had left behind a life I knew and loved and had arrived in America with only the hope that the American dream was more than just a dream. My guest today is in my eyes the embodiment of the American dream, an unlikely source of inspiration that I stumbled across three years ago who has inspired me to do more with the financial resources that I now have at my disposal. Ashley Wyshynski is a real estate investor and strategist, and a mom of twins who has inspired me into becoming a proud owner of investment rental real estate. I thought it would be fitting to have Ashley to be the very first guest on my show and to tell us her story of how she started off in her 20s with an apartment condo that in less than a decade grew to a million and a half dollar investment property portfolio. Ashley typifies the American dream that I came to this country to chase, and the type of giant I wish to learn from. Hi Ashley, welcome to the On the Shoulders of Giant podcast. Hi, thank you so much for having me. How are you today? I'm doing pretty well, thank you. So, um, thank you so much for for joining me today and uh, so my audience can get to know a little bit about you. Can you tell us a bit about yourself? Uh, who exactly is Ashley Wyshynski? Hmm, that is a great question and sometimes it seems that it's ever evolving. So just, you know, to touch for a moment on um, who I was born as, um, my maiden name is actually Ashley St. Gelais. I grew up in North Hero, which is one of the Lake Champlain Islands. Um, our, you know, kindergarten to eighth grade school had about 80 kids in it. Um, there was no high school there, so I went to South Burlington High School. And I've lived my entire life in Vermont, except for one year when I um, lived in New York City and volunteered with an AmeriCorps program called City Year. Um, yeah, and I am a mom of twins. I live in Essex Junction, getting ready to move to Underhill and um, and I'm enjoying this ever-evolving experience called life. Cool. So can you tell me a little bit about uh, your professional life and uh, what got you into real estate? Sure. So when I first went to college, um, I initially studied business for a year, and it was actually after that year that I left school to go down to New York City and volunteer. And that kind of put me on a different uh, uh, trajectory. And um, when I came back, I continued going to school at Johnson State College, but I switched 
um, the way that I was studying, so I switched over to the external degree program instead of being on campus, um, and I changed my major. So instead of focusing on business, I actually designed my own major, um, which was based on human services, women, and art. And I guess that that's kind of a, you know, like being able to create my own education is kind of along the same lines of, I'd say a lot of my professional life as well. Um, I've always been, I feel like I've always been an outside of the box thinker um, and just kind of like to push things to see how far, you know, how far things can go. So um, when I was still in school, I had a bunch of different jobs and I knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur and own my own business. At first, to me, that business looked like owning a coffee shop. And so over the years, that kind of has evolved. And at the age of 21, I just became really intrigued by the idea of being able to own a property and pay down my own mortgage instead of helping to pay down my landlord's mortgage. So at the age of 21, I actually got a mortgage and I bought a condo. And I arranged it so that I had a roommate in that condo, and I paid pretty much as much as I'd pay, um, you know, renting a two-bedroom apartment, right. living in one room, and having a roommate. Um, so that kind of is what got me into being interested about real estate. Um, to kind of fast forward a little bit, today what I do professionally is um, I own a property management company where we focus on investment properties, residential properties that we manage for investors. Um, personally, I'm an investor myself, and I also run a real estate sales group called the Investors Realty Group at Preferred Properties, where we help people to buy and sell properties that are specifically designed to work well as an investment. I see. That's pretty cool. So Thanks. how did you how do you get from having a roommate and a condo to having a portfolio of, of investment property and managing property on behalf of the other people something must have happened along yes. that path yeah Yes actually a lot happened so buying that first condo was really just kind of the first stepping stone for me um after I bought that condo, I actually got a job as a mortgage lender. And that was never a job I thought that I would do. It's not something that I aspired to do. It's just something that I kind of fell into. Um, I was working part-time at a credit union, and a full-time position came open as a for an originator, and I just happened to get that job. So that was a huge opportunity for me because... It gave me the background and the knowledge to know the details, the insider details of the mortgage lending industry so that I knew exactly what I needed to do to buy properties and continue buying them to build a portfolio. So by having that knowledge and working in that position, um, I knew which programs to target and exactly how much money I needed to save, you know, what my debt-to-income ratio needed to look like, and what order I should use the programs in. 
and what programs might work best for each type of property. So in 2009, um, I bought a duplex with an FHA loan, which lets you buy owner-occupied with 3.5% down. Then in 2010, my husband Bruce and I bought our Essex house, and um, our house that I'm sitting in right now has an accessory apartment, and it pays a, you know, a big chunk of our mortgage. From there, this was kind of the biggest um, leap that we had to make. From there, we started buying properties that we we're never going to live in, so straight-up investments. Right. When you get to that point, you really have to have a lot more cash available to make the purchase happen. Um, and for us, we ended up moving from conventional mortgages over to the commercial lending side um, just because it made more sense for our particular situation. Um, so then we bought, um, since then we've bought two properties by ourselves um, as investments, two multifamily properties, and we've done one partnership deal. So do you and your husband work together? We do. We work together in the company. Um, it can have its challenges. Yeah, you actually um, read my mind there because I was going to ask you, what is that like? It's hard. <laughs> it, you know, I'm an open book here. It is hard um, having a relationship with someone where you're so close and, you know, you've developed this rapport and this way of being together. And then introducing kind of the stress of running a business together. Mm. You know, being a small business owner is not always easy. Um, there are a lot of bumps in the road. There are lots of decisions to make. And um, it can be stressful. So regardless of who your partner is, and I think having your partner be um, a spouse can just put a lot more stress on that relationship. So what we try to do is I am kind of head of operations and planning and everything that comes up that's not property issue related. And Bruce heads up property maintenance items that our regular handyman can't handle. So, yeah, it sounds like you guys have sort of split roles and uh, you've tried not to step on each other's toes so much when it comes to uh, operating within the business environment. Yeah, that's what we strive for. Yeah, and I, was, I assume the same sort of happens within, you know, a family setting. You know, the the wife might do some tasks and then the husband does other tasks and you sort of uh, divide and conquer that way. Yeah, yes, I never thought about it like that, but yes, you're totally right. <laughs> and so how did you get over the fear of failure? Uh, because I can imagine, you know, you must have gone from this, you know, situation where you're toying with the idea of uh, starting this business and you've got a roommate and then, you you know, you've got the second uh, property and you're starting to sort of see the, the, the small shoots of what could potentially be a, uh, a business for you. How do you sort of get over that initial fear and then so can you walk me through how you got to the next level? Hmm. I will do my best. That is a really good question. So I think part of it is your mindset. 
I think that's a big part of it. Okay. In life, you know, there's kind of always this balance of risk versus reward. And for some people, the reward may not be worthwhile enough for them to take that risk. For me personally, I've just always had this, I think it's this uh, a work ethic and a mindset of, you know, if I want to make something happen and I work hard enough and I do it the right way, either it'll work out or if it doesn't work out, it was worth giving it my best shot and I'll find a solution to get out of whatever I've gotten myself into. Um, because, yeah, I think uh, a lot of people probably uh, have had that opportunity come their way where you sort of have that presented to you where you could take your life in one direction or the other and uh, you look at the risk of failure and let that decide or determine your your future or your fate. And it seems like you were able to face that head on. Yes, and I also see that the stage that you are in your life when these opportunities come up can have a big effect on how you might respond to them, right? So if you are a single person and, you know, you're only putting your own financial well-being on the line, that can feel a lot different than, you know, if you have a family that's relying on you for support. So there, you know, there are definitely some um, situational factors that come into play here. Right. Um, And, you know, it, it all has to come down to, what each individual person is is comfortable with or not. But I also truly believe that if there's a will, there's a way, and you don't have to go into it 100% at the beginning. I like to think that there's always an opportunity for slow growth in a business or a venture that you're excited about while at the same time still doing what you need to do that you're currently doing to, you know, support your finances. So, sure, it's going to be a lot of work at first where you're, you know, maybe working at a day job and growing this business on the side, but that is a certain way that you can kind of reduce that possible risk of failure. Right. So were you working as a mortgage originator when you started getting into this, or did you only get into it after you had gotten that experience and maybe quit your job at that point? So Bruce and I were both working at um, full-time jobs when we started Fusion. And, um, you know, we started we started Fusion Property Management because we were managing our own individual units and we just kind of found this, you know, flow that worked well for our tenants and it worked well for us and, you know, just kind of this um, symbiotic relationship for everybody. And so... We decided to open our property management company, and yes, at the beginning, we both did have full-time jobs, and it was hard, and sometimes it felt like, oh gosh, we've been at this for two months, and we don't have any new clients yet, Um, but we just persevered and um, kept at it and kept sharing with people what we had to offer, and Bruce did leave his job um, before I did, so he had kind of tapered off hours. He was working at a printing press, and then he um, let go of that job completely and worked full-time in our property management company. Wow, that is very inspirational. 
So you talked about, for instance, when customer when you don't get new customers and you know things are a little bit lean and you're not really making maybe the the hitting the numbers that you had projected for for that period. You know how do you how does that impact your relationship and your family dynamics mm. and so on? Mm. Especially, and I'm I'm talking particularly in the beginning when you were still kind of formulating this this business. Right. Yeah. So. Um... At the beginning, I think I was more hard on myself than anybody else was. Um, I like things to happen quickly. And I, I'm learning to be a little bit more kind with myself in that way. Um, it was frustrating. I was never myself at the point of wanting to give up. Um, I've heard that Bruce was closer than I was. <laughs> um, you know, it just, it just kept, I just kept my determination that we did have something valuable to offer to other people um, and it was going to work out and it was going to be worth it. So, so what did you guys do to convince like your first set of clients that hmm. you guys are worth taking the, the risk on? Well, I remember working really hard to try to get back to people really quickly. You know, so if somebody had called us or emailed us, just being like super responsive is always really helpful in my opinion when you're trying to get um, new clients. I remember the first client that we signed and I just remember standing in their kitchen with them. just like, you know, both of my hands over their hand in a handshake and just saying, thank you so much. We're so excited to work with you. So, you know, it's just <laughs> finally there is this payoff, you know, we had gone from, you know, creating the documents, creating the LLC with our attorney to, you know, Bruce creating a logo for us and getting printed material and getting out to the community and sharing with people about what we were doing and going and meeting with, you know, potential clients and um, figuring out how to explain to people what it is that we do because, you know, some people get property management and property maintenance confused and um, just, you know, really feeling, coming to every situation, feeling confident um, that we did have something valuable. So just switching gears, but still on the same topic, you know, what got you passionate about real estate? I, I mean, it's one thing to have a job that pays the bills and, you know, you let things happen like that and um but it's a whole other deal when it consumes your entire existence i mean you have your real estate business you also run you know your uh, real estate investment website and uh a, an investment facebook page as well as the webinar series the 0 to 1.35 million in 8 years you know you've got a lot of these really cool things going on that go beyond just your basic you know, I'm just running a real estate business. You know, you've kind of taken it to the next level. What made you then kind of switch to to making it more of a passion than just a a job that pays the bills? Hmm. Hmm. Well, first off, I was talking to to somebody about this today, actually, um, an intern at our property management company. So first off, you know, again, this risk versus reward and, and this 
path that people get on where it's kind of, in my opinion, it's kind of like just like running on the, a treadmill, but the treadmill never actually stops. That's kind of what I envision um, working at a 40-hour-a-week job is like, um, especially when it's not something that really fuels your your heart and your soul, which for some people it does, but for a lot of people, I, I don't think that it, it provides them that benefit. Right. Um, which is really sad because life is short. Um, but for, for me, so kind of going back to that first condo, kind of this idea of, okay, so sure I can rent a place, I can pay rent and help the landlord pay down their mortgage, but that doesn't really help me get anywhere. So the first step was to get my own place. And then the second step, after the first step to work, and I was like, oh, I can do this. I can own property and I can have a roommate. The next step, logical step for me, was, wow, if this works in one unit, what would and could it look like if I lived in a duplex where I had a roommate on my side and on the other side I had a tenant who, you know, paid the rent. So for me what that looked like was, I lived in my duplex for free right. between having the tenant pay and having the neighbors pay. And in a bigger picture sort of situation, you know, if you think about, okay, I own my own house, I'm paying down my own mortgage, that's great. But taking that to the next level, level in my mind, is really owning property and getting all the benefits of owning property, you know, principal pay down, appreciation, and tax benefits. but Instead of you having to put your own cash in to pay for that property, you have your tenants paying the money exactly. into that property. Um, and then you get all those benefits, plus you hopefully get the positive cash flow. So I guess I came to this idea because I was just kind of like researching, like thinking about, okay, what am I going to do with my life? And... How am I going to be able to live in a way that is fulfilling and I'm financially stable and, you know, I don't have to do something that really doesn't make me happy. And actually, after working as a mortgage lender for almost 10 years, it became apparently clear that being a mortgage lender was not something that fulfilled my soul or brought immense happiness into my life. Right. Now, don't get me wrong. I See, I see what it was, and it was an amazing opportunity to learn the inside. But the day-to-day of working in that job just wasn't a, a good fit for me. Right. And it's pretty cool that uh, you actually were realizing this relatively early in your life because um, I think a lot of people start to get those sort of feelings later on you know, in the twilight of their lives. And then at that point, it's a little too late to change course or, you know, do or try something daring, you know, like like what you did. So uh, that's pretty impressive that you kind of got to that conclusion pretty early. Well, thank you. Yeah, and I think we're all victims of our own limiting beliefs. You know, like, Oh, I've been a mortgage lender for 10 years. What the heck else can I do in this world? Like, I'm always going to have to do this. You know, just kind of these, like, limiting 
self-talk that's not right. really nice or validating to ourselves. Yeah, it's quite interesting that you have a business degree and actually even went to the ex extent of creating your own educational path, uh, so to speak. And yet it sounds like your your moment of Zen and your practical experience in that moment as a mortgage lender sounds like that actually was more beneficial than your university education in getting you to where you are today. I don't know whether that's a true understanding of, uh, of your experience, or maybe I'm just making that up, but uh, it sounds like while you were a mortgage originator and while you were sort of grappling with the experience, the practicalities of being a mortgage originator, you stumbled into this world of real estate investment and your experience in mortgage originating is actually boosting your, your knowledge of uh, what you need to do next. Absolutely. You know, I, I am a huge believer in education. And at the same time, I think it's got to be the right education that really gets you excited. Um, so, you know, I remember in college, and I hate to say this, but I remember in college just kind of like going through the motions, like, okay, this is what I need to do. I need to get an undergraduate, you know, a, a bachelor's degree. Um, you know, this is kind of just like the path that I have to take. Right. Um, and since then, I have grown and learned so much. And you're totally right. Working as a mortgage lender provided perfect education to growing a real estate portfolio, which I had no idea that's where it would lead me to. And today, every day, I'm feeling like I have the opportunity to learn more at this point in my life about myself and my patterns and how I want to be in the world. And it's pretty powerful. I'd say that in terms of like powerful education, what I'm like, what I'm learning right now takes the cake by far. <laughs> you almost uh, wonder whether there is any value in going to university when, you know, practical experience clearly <laughs> trumps that. Yes. And it can be really hard to get an interview if you don't have that piece of paper. <laughs> yeah, well, we don't want to um, put bad seeds into people's heads yet, but uh, I think uh, we might be onto something there. <laughs> yes, I, I love the idea of education that um, people are really passionate about, you know, not just something that they feel like they have to learn to get the degree or finish right. high school. Right. So now, now you're a businesswoman. And I guess the question is, were you born with business acumen or did you have to nurture it as it, as you kind of got older and as, or did it suddenly have to become a necessity as a result of the work that you had begun or the, the situation that you had found yourself in? Mm. Wow. I think that for me, there has been a lot of opportunities for me to learn about business in the real world and also just opportunities for me to kind of stand in myself and feel confident so I would say that you know there's got to be there's got to be some of this stuff that I was born with and I think I learned along the way um, how to run a business and how to think about things and how to plan and forecast for the future. 
And do you feel like any of your college education helped with that? Or is it sort of stuff that you're learning on the fly? I do remember I it, when I was in college for a year at the beginning, for my freshman year, I do remember taking some business classes that, you know, they kind of just got me in the mindset. And since then, I think the real world experiences have been more powerful. That's interesting. And as a young girl, maybe, I think uh, as a, you know, 10 year old or something, did you, were you ever sort of scheming ideas of being in business or at least business type ideas? Or did this sort of just manifest itself later on in life? Yeah. Well, the first memory that I have about being a business-like woman, <laughs> and I'm laughing because I feel kind of horrible about this now, but I remember when I was a little girl trading my nickels for my sister's dimes. <laughs> I convinced her that because the nickel was larger than the dime, it was worth more. That's brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I had thought of that when I was young. <laughs> so that's my kind of like first memory. Not that that's how I am in business today by any means. Like it's really important for me to, you know, feel authentic and do the right thing. Um, but that's, you know, that's just the first memory that came to mind. Um, I do remember us having like garage sales and things like that. Um, and I would be, you know, like in charge of the money. We lived, you know, we lived in North Hero, so in terms of like having a lemonade stand, it was a little bit harder to do um, right. up there. But actually, when I was a little girl, um, I wanted to open a home for kids who didn't have any parents. I do remember that. that. That is a very good memory. You should hold on to that one. So I guess then what I'd like to know is then what what's it like being a a woman businessman or rather a woman business person <laughs> and and then also what is it like being a young woman in an industry that is dominated by maybe long established older males uh, because I'm I'm picturing that probably in your field uh, there's probably not a whole lot of young 30-something-year-old women that are making the sort of uh, moves that you are doing. Thank you. Um, yeah, it's been an evolution to, for me personally, to um, be a confident businesswoman or really person at all. I remember in high school being really shy and reserved and never speaking up and never doing any public speaking. So that, you know, building up the confidence um, ha has been has been something that I am getting better at uh, every day. In terms of being, you know, a young woman in a field dominated by a lot of older men, um, it kind of makes me smile, I guess, because I love challenging the status quo, and um, I think it's a a great opportunity 
for me to for me to just you know do my thing and be successful and at the same time maybe help to change some stereotypes about women or about men and their roles and um, I think I, I see it as a great opportunity and I do see that our society has a long way to go still in terms of you know women's equality in all sorts of ways so you know maybe in some small way I'm I can be part of that oh also. that's great that's great yeah I mean you could be blazing the path for for future generations who might be going into that field to to look at you as you know somebody who's helped uh, set the path for them I have a lot of friends who are entrepreneurs here in Vermont, and I've heard them talk about some of the challenges of doing business in Vermont. Is it really hard to do business in Vermont? Well, I don't have experience doing business elsewhere. So I'll start by saying that. Um, the second thing to note here is that because I live in the realm of landlord-tenant relations, I do know that the law in Vermont favors the tenant. I don't necessarily think that that is a bad thing because there are certainly situations where tenants are taken advantage of. And at the same time, there are a lot of landlords doing the right thing, providing safe, quality places for people to live who get taken advantage of by tenants because the tenants know the rules. So yes, there are definitely there are definitely challenges. I have sort of um, heard a lot about how difficult it is to do business here. I'm not a businessman, although I have ambitions to be. So um, I'm hoping that by the time I get my act together, uh, it might be a little bit easier for for the rest of us. Well, uh, I, I'd like to challenge your thought of. Um, your assumption that you're not a businessman because look at you, look at what you're doing today. <laughs> oh, thank you very much for that reminder. <laughs> yeah, give yourself some credit. That is true. That is true. <laughs> um, but you're the interviewee here, so let's keep the questions to you, not to me. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you're also the creator and founder of Networking the Vermont Way. Uh, can you tell me a little bit about that and how networking the Vermont way would be any different from networking, say, the California way? Hmm. Interesting. I didn't know this would be coming at night. <laughs> uh, yeah, so when I was um, a mortgage lender, I, I've always been, I guess I should say, I've always been passionate about community development and you know, just building community and feeling like part of something bigger. And I saw an opportunity for business people in Vermont to create authentic relationships and um, provide referrals to help grow each other's business and do it in a way that really serves the best interest of both, you know, the service provider and the potential client. And has that been a success? Actually, I have, um, I've actually stepped away from that in the last, I think it was about a year and a half ago. Um, our boys now are almost two and having the boys gave me a really great opportunity to evaluate 
how I was spending my time and efforts and um, what I wanted my future to look like. And by making all of those decisions, what I was teaching my kids. Mm. So um, after the boys were born, I gave up my lending license. I stepped away from the networking group and really just tried to focus in on, you know, personal real estate investing and helping others do it through sales and coaching and education and, you know, working to grow and strengthen the property management company. That's fantastic. Yeah, I, I can sort of imagine um, how that is when you're trying to balance, you know, uh, parental responsibilities versus uh, your professional way of life. And so I'm sure that decision didn't come lightly, but uh, it sounds like uh, you made the right choice. Hmm, thank you. Yeah, I'm sure that you can understand the uh, balance of family life and work life and yes. all that's included there. Absolutely. So in closing, you've really sort of inspired a lot of people, myself included, uh, which is why one of the reasons why I picked you as uh, my first guest. Uh, you really kind of showed me what it's like to to be, you know, a young visionary and to decide, you know, you want to go for something and really kind of make a big deal about it and put yourself out there so that people can ask you questions and you can mentor them, even if it's not continuous mentorship, but giving experience and advice and so on. So first of all, thank you for that. Uh, but in closing, I just wanted to wondering if, uh, if you could travel back in time and have a conversation with the younger version of yourself, uh, what words of wisdom would you say to yourself? Wow. I might start crying. Um, <laughs> <laughs> wow. If I could go back and give myself some words of wisdom, I think that they would be confidence-based um, and, confidence and healing-based words um, and statements like, um, Ashley, you are enough, like just as you are. You are amazing. Like you have wonderful gifts to share with the world. Um, because to be honest, I believe that everybody has wonderful gifts to share with the world. And sometimes how we're raised doesn't give us that confidence that we are special and unique and we're here for a reason. That's awesome. That's, that's really inspirational. And uh, just hoping that there are some young men and women out there that are listening that can sort of take that on board. Um, so, Ashley, I'll just give you the opportunity to sort of advertise yourself uh, if you want to just uh, give us maybe your website and how people can get in touch with you if they have any questions or want to get to know a little bit more. How can they get hold of you? Well, thank you. Um, yeah, so if people want to reach out, um, I'll just throw my phone number out there. It's 802-318-7654. Um, I'm also available at, on email, Ashley at F as in Fusion, P as in Property, M as in Management, VT as in Vermont.com. And yeah, I'm sure you've heard mostly everything that I do, but I help people 
manage their properties profitably here in the Chandon County of Vermont. I help people to buy and sell those properties, and I can coach people how to get started, how to kind of get over the, the humps of getting started with rental real estate investing. And I offer, you know, group coaching, which can be more affordable for folks, all the way up to more individualized, intensive work. Great. Well, with that, we've come to the end of our interview with Ashley Wyshynski. Thank you so much, Ashley, for your time. And uh, we'll catch up with everybody on our next episode. Hey, thanks for listening to the very first podcast episode of On the Shoulders of Giants. If you liked the episode, please do me a favor and subscribe to automatically download future episodes. Also, please do me an even bigger favor and write a review. It will help get the word out. And apparently, you are nothing without iTunes reviews. You can also write me at charlesrutanira at hotmail.com or go to my website at www.tcrutanira.com. That's T for Tino Tender, C for Charles, R-U-T-A-N-H-I-R-A dot com. Thanks.